The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. First off, thank you so much for making your way here, checking out this episode. If you're not already, I hope you like what you hear enough to subscribe to the series. Uh, we put out three brand new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So if you do dig this kind of thing, hit that subscribe button. It's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world. Of course, you can find us at all the major podcasting spots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, YouTube as well, where you'll find the video version of this interview right here. 
I'm Kyle Mayer. Today I'm talking with the band Painted Shield. If that doesn't sound familiar, it's because, well, they're sort of new. Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam, Mason Jennings, they've got together, well, first off a few years ago for a, for a little 7-inch single, but now full-on self-titled record. We're going to talk about their creation story, Mason for the first time being in a band and having to collaborate with folks, uh, picking up Matt Chamberlain on drums and uh, working with John Congleton, famous for producing folks like St. Vincent, how Stone really opened up his vault of demos for a lot of the songs on here, and lyrically how Jennings uh, uses uh, manipulating time uh, sort of as a, a bit of escapism in our world. Now, outside of the record, it's also the return of Loose Groove Records, which Stone Gossard started uh, years ago with Regan Hagar, his old Brad bandmates. And it's with that in mind uh, that we hear that there is one more Brad record. Sean Smith passed away uh, just recently, but uh, there's some vocals and the band's putting together for a final Brad record. So we're going to talk about that, as well as Loose Groove putting out a 1982 record that featured a very young Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses, uh, pre-Guns N' Roses fame, of course. Mason also tells us about his next record, uh, working on that, and the possibility of more painted shill albums, which sounds like a real possibility. And then, of course, talking with Stone, we're going to bring up Pearl Jam. Not being able to tour Gigaton, their latest album, his anxiety dreams about when they finally do, and how the band is slowing down the possibility of more box sets and recording more music. So let's jump into it and talk about Painted Shield. It's Kyle Meredith with Stone Gossard and Mason Jennings. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. No, it's great to see you both. So I, I was I was trying to work it out in my head if I wanted to say new band because while the debut record is on the way, this isn't exactly actually new, right? This this does stretch back a, a few years. Um, how did this start? Either one of you want to take that? Yeah, it's it's been about six years. Uh, we had a mutual friend, Dan Field, who introduced us, and you know we we're both interested in, in collaborating. Stone had some recordings that he was maybe looking to have somebody sing on, and I was you know, had done so much solo stuff. And I was like, I'd like to work with someone and try some collaborative recordings. So that's when it started. And it just sort of blossomed over the last six years. But six years, I mean, to, to do a couple songs. And then as I read, I think, you know, one day in the studio together at all, uh, you know, since, since then. Stone, is that an odd way to collaborate? I've never done it like this before. So it's it's different. And uh, it, it was, a, I don't think we, either of us saw uh the big picture um six years ago but we saw the small picture was you know the small picture was we did knife fight and it sounded great and we were like wow that was instantaneous and like um i i just had this uh this demo that i had recorded with josh freeze on drums and me playing some bass and it was pretty quick and down and dirty and he just threw a vocal on it and it was like we were off and running so it was a very, I was very optimistic about the beginning. And then we did some more songs and it was more like regular, like, okay, we got to actually kind of figure these songs out. And it yeah. wasn't instantaneous, sort of like Knife Fight. So we, we, we did some stuff and we really were, we kind of moved a lot in that first year and tried a lot of stuff. And then maybe we took a couple of years where we were sort of like, I don't even know how much we talked over at least a year or two of it. And then we started, you know, as you do, you go back in time. That's what we do is like, oh, I wonder if that that, that was fun. I, I want to check it out again. And so we just started communicating more again and started, you know, just chipping away at some more songs. And then I think really in the last year and a half, it, it we finally got over the hump with about three or four more really kind of instantaneous kind of tracks um, that just came really easy. And then um, the addition of Matt Chamberlain and Brittany Davis in the last year and a half, like sort of really sort of elevated it and 
um, Matt Chamberlain started writing some songs for it and, um, and Brittany Davis's voice, um, and keyboard playing just really sort of added another whole nother dimension to the, to the music. So then it started to sound more like a band, you know, cause to start out with, it was a lot of me and Mason, which is fun and exciting, but it's, it's good when it's, you know, if you're going to try to do something different, you need that, you need the influence of other perspectives. So it, it really worked out. And point out, you said Matt Chamberlain, that's uh, also, aside from being one of the greatest drummers of all time, known for being probably the shortest Pearl Jam drummer for all of, <laughs> what, uh, half a day or something uh, like that. <laughs> it was a bad era. We were, uh, we, we loved Matt Chamberlain, and, but he was off and running and had many more stars to play with. So, uh, which worked out great all around, but he's, he's played with everybody and you know, him playing with Bob Dylan is kind of the apex now where he's like making records with Bob Dylan. <clears throat> he gets to talk to Bob Dylan on the phone sometimes. That's that's I don't know how. <laughs> Nobody gets to talk to Bob Dylan. He's not. You know, that's <laughs> that's amazing. Mason, you know, we, we've all been big fans of yours at WFPK for a long time. Um, I, I can say that, uh, you know, be here now and raindrops on the kitchen floor. I mean, for me and my wife, those are two very important songs. Oh, thanks. And I, I think I have the uh, always been record here behind me but for you this is i mean from what i understand like this has been very different from you you know coming from really being a solo artist to being a collaborator how has it changed how you've had to approach a song if it has at all uh it's been pretty different you know it's it's definitely like i'm used to having an instrument in my hands when i'm when i'm working on vocals or you know like being able to control the chordal chordal direction or rhythm and at first it was definitely very very new but then you know over the six years i think that's part of why it took six years that i was getting better at it you know i was getting more comfortable like just figuring out what my role is with that and, and it's and it's a different kind of role it's like you have to kind of like let go of some stuff that i'm used to being able to control like and that was that's something that's it's a good lesson to learn i think you know because then people what i'm learning is other people are going to step up like at first when i was doing it i didn't know what other people were going to be bringing there because i was used to handling everything it's like when you're used to you know cooking all the meals and then suddenly you have somebody doing different parts of it and it's, it can go so much better and you can, you can just come up with stuff that you, I just couldn't have done all by myself at all. So it's been a learning process to like, to like, what is my role? What can I work really hard on? Cause I want to work really hard, but what, where do I have to let go and let other people do their stuff too. And, and, you know, especially with like when Matt Chamberlain got involved too, like he's holding a huge, he's, he's, you know, like a song like, um, I am your country. Like that's mostly Matt Chamberlain's track, like musically. And then Stone and I just kind of like sit in on top of that. And that's so cool to get him involved. And then Brittany Davis too, you know, I'm used to singing all my own harmonies. I'm used to singing like, um, you know, like she's singing all of those parts that, that I would usually have to cover and she's, she's doing it better than me. So it's like, I'm like, Oh God, this is so cool to hear it back because I, you know, her range is bigger, her, you know, she's a better singer. Let's just come, let's just say that. And so, you know, it's really cool to have it just elevate like that. An orphan no longer, no pun intended with the album titles there, yeah. but uh, look, you, you have a family. I have a family. It's, it's nearly an operatic record. I think that's what surprised me uh, the most is when all those ingredients does, do come together. Uh, it becomes like there are movements going on uh, all throughout this record. Even, you know, the, some of the songs really line up with the other one, kind of bleed into each other. Do you all talk specifically about, specifically about wanting to go someplace musically? we don't talk we're not we don't we don't break it down too much in terms of sort of why we're excited mostly we're like that excites me or that that's thrilling or whatever that is is you know it's it's hitting me in the right way i think a lot of the sort of uh the dynamics and sort of maybe i mean i haven't heard it described as operatic and that's 
exciting to think that that's it has an element of that in it. But I think some of that might be John Conglinton too, who's the mixer. And um, again, staying in, we were so rewarded by sort of opening the door for Matt and Brittany to kind of really uh, play a bigger role than than some people. Sort you know, some people aren't looking to have more opinions in in a record or more sort of uh, directions. And and I think that that's where we sort of pushed ourselves is to kind of go. This is going to only improve if we if we open our you know if we share it more and sort of really trust that something good can happen by having somebody else touch it. And I think we carried that into, you know, when we found out that John liked the music and was interested in mixing it. And then we found out that, you know, because of COVID that all of a sudden his schedule <laughs> changed dramatically. We were, you know, we basically said to him, think of yourself as a member of the band and, you know, go into it with the attitude of I'm hearing these songs for the first time. And what would I do? You know what? Because I know he's a player and he's mixed everything and his ear is so he has a unique perspective that is going to be totally different than than Mason's and I's. So uh, we just really turned it over to him and he really pulled a lot of stuff out, made sections much more defined, took parts that we thought were the main parts and turned them off and turned up a little part that was recorded way at the beginning. That was just a scratch track that all of a sudden becomes the new part and then even hearing it back i think the first time it's like whoa is this really our record now and then you give it a week and then all of a sudden it's like oh my god thank you thank you for doing that <laughs> you just get so trapped in your own way of seeing your art when you're doing it that it takes a second to digest uh significant shifts in in how somebody else could hear it and so that that really was i mean we pat ourselves on the back about that all the time in terms of like, wow, the best thing, you know, one of the best things we did was like think John Congleton would be great to mix it and we should let him do whatever he wants. So, and it, and it really worked out, but I think some of that, the big dynamics are due to him. You know, he really, he really pruned and simplified um, some things, but also created sort of more three-dimensionalness to the whole record in terms of just his, how he puts stuff in space and, um it's 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 pretty great to watch uh, to listen to his his work me i probably like a lot of people first came aware of him because of uh, his work with saint vincent and he's just yeah. become one of the most dynamic you know producers out there doing a lot of stuff and, and you talked about being kind of close to your own music and not kind of hearing it the same way and i, I purposefully put your solo record back here stone with bayleaf because there are parts on here that really reminded me of what you were doing on bayleaf for the first time and yeah. maybe since then did you because i know you know from what i read anyway a lot of these uh, uh guitar parts musical snippets or whatever do come from as you know far back as 10 15 years ago did you find that you were leaning towards a certain style of yours towards certain sounding songs to put in this project i'm a i'm a pack rat so i just i just you know i write songs and then i make demos and i try to do them as kind of quickly i, I don't have a lot of i don't have a lot of like i wish i had weeks and months to go in the studio and hang out and, um and I, but i don't know that that would actually be better for me so when i do demos i do them pretty down and dirty and pretty quick and i just try to get the 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 idea down and so i end up with you know i've got hundreds of incomplete you know sketches and and really i was pretty uh irreverent with just kind of listening you know going through those sketches sometimes and just sending a few to mason every once in a while and 
and he would either get excited about them or, you know, or wouldn't. But um, that was kind of the process is just, you know, a little bit of just kind of point and shoot and just go, I don't know, this never really got, I never really got anything on it or I never got any farther with it. And particularly if you recorded something 10 years ago and then you listened to it quickly again, just in passing, you can really hear whether you still like it or not. You know, it's like, oh, I still like that. That's, you know, that's good. So that that's a good test in terms of like something that you can remember doing. And 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 if it doesn't move you 10 years later, it's maybe not that great. You know, it wasn't that great to start out with. So but it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit scattershot. The process, it's not it's not too cerebral. Yeah, well, there's some cool, I mean, there's so many cool moments on this record. Uh, first, I'll bring up a Time Machine, which has this incredible groove and those horns that come out of nowhere. I mean, I almost, I think I actually yelled yes when that all <laughs> <Yeah>. started happening. <laughs> uh, and um, Mason, I, I would like to hear about your lyrical approach on this song and a couple others too, because, uh, I, well, first off, I, I want to ask the broad question. It's sort of in the same way with Stone. Uh, did you find yourself going in a certain direction once you all really did get started here uh, lyrically? Not consciously. I mean, originally it was just same same thing Stone said. I was just trying. I was just like throwing stuff at it and be like, wow, that worked or that didn't work. And it was just it was really like cool to have it be a side project because I didn't feel the pressure that like I had to be like, this is this is my solo record. I was just like, well, does this work? Does this work? Does this work? And then slowly over like years, I was like, what what really ended up happening lyrically is that the stuff that really stuck for whatever reason was this a lot of these themes of like unconscious stuff from the past getting worked through and brought into the present moment and then looking forward into the future. So it's like, that just sort of kind of became, which is cool because this process has been kind of that it's like unconscious, something that took six years and slowly got more consciousness on it. And then we're moving into the future. And so that's, that's kind of lyrically what stuck the most. When I look back at the theme, I'm like, there kind of is a theme there. It's just, I didn't, there was also a lot of weird stuff that got trimmed off that what had nothing to do with that too. So well, I, I hear that time thing, especially in the, uh, in the 10 years song, the, the, I mean, the concept of, trying to project yourself forward so you can look back right. uh, is completely fascinating in that sense, you know, how you kind of manipulate time in that way with your own head. And that's, yeah. what, that's what Time Machine, the song was about too, which is funny because 10 years from now is that, but then Time Machine, that song originally had a totally different chorus that was really melodic and, you know, the, the beginning was the same, but then there was originally other lyrics and then it slowly, I was just like this idea of time machines, but it, it wasn't like there's no time machine. It was like, I wish I had a time machine or something like that. I wish we had time machines and we could fly around. And then it was just getting all flowery. And then Stone was like, oh, I got an idea. Took the whole chorus off, sent me back this really cool, like just way more guttural blues based thing. And then I just sang my mama says there's no time machines. Like I just like first take, boom, sang it and sent it back. And we're like, okay, now we're talking. Like we got out of our heads, got into our muscles. And, and that's what happened there. Well, I might be stretching a little bit here, but you know, with a lot of artists that I've been talking to, there is a lot of uh, escapism for obvious reasons uh, for the past few years. Um, and, and you know, for some artists who have been talking about, you know, sort of pale blue dot style going to space to get away from things, you know, the other side seems to be talking about this manipulating time in a way, um, although I might not say as, as interesting as, as you've been able to pull off here. I feel like that might, if that's if that's even on the right path, that sort of wraps around into what becomes, you know, the lead single, I guess, with I Am Your Country. Where did this concept come from? Because this is a song about personifying the actual country speaking to us, correct? Yeah, but it, it originally was, it came from a lyric that was about uh, a father speaking to kids. 
you know, because I went through a divorce a few years ago that was really rough and and had some parental alienation I was dealing with. So I was, I was sort of like talking to kids and then it was just way too personal. And then with the stuff, I live in Minneapolis and when George Floyd was murdered, like it just all of a sudden I was listening to this track by Matt Chamberlain. I just liked the track without any vocals. I just listened to it for fun. And I just started singing a variation on that lyric. And I was like, I changed it to, I started singing it from the point of view as my, uh, I'm your country. And then the rest of it sort of shifted and became like, more abstract and, and it just hit just felt good for me to sing it and i was just sort of doing it for myself and then i sent it to stone i thought the record was finished at this point so i was like hey check out this and he was like oh dude that's gonna be the first that's gonna be the first single i was like what the i was just for my own personal artistic expression at that point yeah. new songs best song that's always the game right new it songs best song. flows yeah <laughs> it, i think it i think it is the most it's the most visceral immediate thing on the record and it and it and it really is the first opportunity of of Mason and Matt collaborating in a sense. And it's the, the Matt's tracks that he's writing right now are so spacious and so like drum aggressive in like this kind of John Bonham, like not a drum machine at all sort of way, but in a like I'm a powerhouse drummer, and if you saw me playing in a room, your jaw would drop because I'm slaying my you know my instrument. <laughs> And so, you know, for me, that between that lyric and that groove and the space and that track, I was just like, I was convinced that it was, you know, it's our best song. You know, it just really struck me that way. Do you all find that this song in a way that songs do uh, allow themselves to change with the world? You know, here's a song that was written, obviously, with Trump as president. And now there is a possibility of a future once again. I mean, do you find that this song starts to speak in a different way? Yeah, probably. I mean, it does feel good. I haven't I haven't heard it since since this last week, so I should listen to it again. I think it would probably hit me different. Yeah. I mean, I love that about songs, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, like sometime I'll write a song 10 years and then it comes up and somebody will be like, this song is about this. It's happening right now, isn't it? And I'll listen. I'll be like, yeah, it is. I don't know how that happens, but sometimes yeah. it's so cool and trippy. There's so many great moments in here. Uh, I mean, this seriously is, I was so blown away by this whole record. So I, wanna, I don't think wow. I properly complimented That's you all so on nice. this. That's yeah. so, thank you so much. That's really, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it plays great loud and probably plays great soft. I just haven't tried it like that yet. I, I do want to hit a few things outside exactly of the record. And first off, this record also, as the press release will tell you, marks the return of Loose Groove Records, uh, Stone. Uh, this is, you started with, uh, with Reagan, Reagan Hagar, right? Yeah, um, Reagan. Reagan, Reagan, yeah. uh -huh. Uh, and, and of course, I think I had, that was the other thing. That's one of my all-time favorite loose groove things right here. With the Chicago what is that? Cab. That's your oh, Chicago oh, Cab great. soundtrack. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So, that's awesome. So amazing stuff on there. Yeah. What does this mean for the label? I mean, is this really a full-on thing again? I mean, do you guys have bigger plans than just, than just this uh, Painted Shield record? Yeah, we're, uh, you know, Regan and I have been friends for 30 years. Regan was the drummer in Malfunction. So I was seeing Regan's band play before I even started playing an instrument, basically, um, or, or very close to it. You know, back when I was in Green River and just like, just starting to even like think about wanting to play music, he was in Malfunction and they were doing Discharge, Speed Metal, and then Halftime, crazy you know kiss tributes and uh that's the start of it for me in terms of seeing young musicians that are that were amateurs but also totally adventurous and playing live shows and succeeding in just totally charming and exhilarating a 
bar with 20 people in it and and at the time or a, or a club or whatever and you know at the at the time it was it foundationally changed me in terms of like thinking about heavy metal and punk rock and disco and all how all those things mean a lot to me and yet at that time particularly that wasn't what you did in eighth grade in 1978 you either you know you liked disco or you you liked rock you know or you know that was my perception you know i'm sure there's people that were smarter than me but so you know going back to regan and then our years in brad and all of that we did lose groove we had some success with it not financially but we 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 achieved a lot and then um with the opportunities you know with this record being done and and with some other records that that i've been kind of um helping shepherd in in seattle i knew that there was an opportunity and because the orchard was uh uh interested in painted shield and also interested in loose groove we connect made a good connection there and and have a great person at the orchard who's now part of our loose groove uh world and um we're just going to keep putting records out hopefully uh, hopefully another painted shield if they'll sign with loose groove um that'll be good um to see how that works out i don't know they may go on to bigger and better things who knows though they might they might leave me i mean no they won't they can't um uh but uh britney davis we're gonna um put her record out so she's making a solo record right now so that'll be really that's a really exciting thing to kind of hear her um there's also one record that i'm the most excited about right now which is the the living um which is duff mckagan and greg gilmore duff mckagan from guns and roses who was in all my favorite punk bands back in the day and uh, greg gilmore who was a drummer in um mother love bone um, they have a record called 1982. They made in 1982 that's never come out before. And it's all Duff McKagan, original, you know, amazing, hardcore, you know, punk rock slash proto grunge songs that was never released. And I mean, the fact that we are able to kind of put it out and that it hasn't ever come out before and that Duff's excited about uh, talking about it and uh, and Greg. Um, it's really an amazing record and and it really shows how central Duff was to what happened in Seattle. Um, although he doesn't get talked about, you know, he went on to Guns N' Roses. So that kind of takes over the narrative right. so much. But he was the guy. And, and clearly this record proves that in terms of uh, when you hear it now and you kind of go, wow, I hear elements of Tim and a warning. And I hear elements of the farts and I hear elements of, of uh, Guns N' Roses um, and all these influential you know bands um it's cool so lots of lots of stuff going on there yeah and up on the show earlier than the was this year last year or something like that his new song oh, yeah. is fantastic too uh yeah. and, and I've, I've heard that there is there is one more brad record i mean losing sean yeah. you know I, I don't think any of us knew that that what what can we expect from uh from the next brad record because i i've got them all uh, you know yeah oh, that's that's great um well you know sean's there's a lot of sean solo stuff for sure that um is gonna eventually come out and and uh there is a brad record and we're sort of in the process now of 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 kind of finalizing mixes and and making sure that it's um as good as it can be but we haven't we haven't quite got to the finish line yet there but you know there's for sure 10 songs it's just a it's a matter of of now figuring out how far to to sort of massage those tracks to kind of um to make them as good as they can be and i you know that that's going to not be the easiest it's not the easiest journey to figure that out but uh some beautiful sean smith vocals that people haven't heard yet so um i look forward to 
that as well. What an amazing, amazing vocalist. I mean, I've got interiors yeah. behind me, but you know, the day brings just, yeah, yeah. we still spin that on FPK. It's one of our all time favorites. Um, just nice. incredible. Mason, um, last album was 2018. That's probably the usual amount of time for most, uh, <laughs> most artists, unless you're talking about Pearl Jam, of course, they'll make you wait a little bit longer, yeah. but uh, you got more in the works for yourself. Yeah, I've got a, I've got about six new songs I'm working on, so six or seven. So yeah, I'm hoping to hopefully start recording sometime in the next year, and and hopefully maybe you know maybe it'll be loose groove. That would be awesome. Put it put something. Yeah, on. yeah, definitely. I'm definitely get like, that contract signed now. It's a... yeah, do it on, on Zoom. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. And it's been cool. I mean, there's been so much. We're working on a bunch of stuff for Painted Shield too. So it's you know like it's cool to have both things going at the same time like that. Uh, I'll wrap up. Of course, Dota, I hope you'll permit me with one or two Pearl Jam questions Please. here because uh, Gigaton did come out. You've not been able to tour that, obviously, as no one has. Does that give you a different relationship with an album when, you know, in this that you haven't been able to touch it in the same way that you would have otherwise? It's it's just such a weird time. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what the uh, I don't know what's weird in terms of the big picture. It's it's weird to not have, you know, to have gotten we rehearsed up till like right before we left so we were kind of like hitting like we were like we are ready to go or we the songs were sounding good and um it was going to be a it was going to be a great tour and um since then you know i barely picked up my guitar so i'm gonna have to it's the it's the longest time without playing pearl jam songs which is weird because we've got so many and i sort of i'm able to kind of keep them all just kind of in my head in terms of being able to remember where my fingers are and i i'm i'm terrified that we've gone so long now that i'm actually going to be looking at a set list kind of going i've had dreams about it already where i'm like you know the band is just about to start and i'm struggling to get out onto stage and then I can see the set list and I know that I haven't practiced them and I'm about to go out there and just, <laughs> just not know anything. But uh, it's it's just a weird, we're just in a weird time and a weird year and uh, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of it, but I'm proud of the record. And, you know, uh, I, I really think it was a, a victory and um, I'm so happy to be in the band and it, it's so much of this stuff and, and how I'm able to generate and, and try different things is due to, sort of the creativity and the and the journey that I've taken with those guys over the last 30 years so it, a lot of it a lot of this uh, emanates from my relationship with that band and and how we've treated each other and and how we've kind of moved through different eras of you know you you, know, you can spend a lot of time you, you can have eras where you're like oh this is not that great or I don't want to do this and then you look back and kind of go why was I just be, why wasn't I just looking at the, what I could do as opposed to like what wasn't working and and i think that that's the, the lesson learned at this point well you said 30 years i mean this year marks 30 years for you i think it was october if i remember right or, or in november but yeah. uh but i don't know if you guys would have been celebrating in a big way if there you know had been any plans like that i, I i'll tell you as a fan i've per I, i've really personally been hoping for more of those box sets like you did with 10 verses and vitology yeah. Yeah. Do you ever think that the the at least the no code and yield is going to come? Do you ever? I mean, do you all ever have plans oh, I, to I'm follow sure, those up? I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I, I think at this point we're just we're slowing down because we're old, and uh, and we know we've got plenty of time, and that there's plenty of time for you know for looking back. So um, I think that there's a everyone's kind of in a pause right now. Everyone's just trying to keep their home lives together, given the circumstances of what's happening right now and how much. Uh, how much everything is telling you just to pay attention to your, you know, the closest things in front of you. But it, there'll, there'll be opportunities for that. I'm sure I'm I'm sure that those will come out as will more sort of live shows and stuff like that. 
but I'm, I'm honestly, I'm looking forward to, you know, recording more music. I, I think Gigaton touched on some really cool new territory and, and sort of there was some doors open there that I, I hope we keep walking through. I mean, musically, I, I love seeing where you guys go lyrically, of course, you're especially with, you know, t- talking about Greta and everything and, and the environments. I mean, again, I'll, I'll say what, you know, we were talking about earlier that now we have a hope for the future once again. Yeah. I hope that I don't think a lot of us have felt for a long time. I hope that I feel like you all have captured in this Painted Shield record. So, you know, oh. if there's more of that to mine, I, I certainly would love to hear it. Yeah, that's thank very nice. I'm glad there's some optimism in there. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Mason Stone, thank you both so much for taking the time to talk about it again. Uh, this Painted Shield record it's huge. Uh, everyone should listen to it. Everybody should buy it. I hope you guys end up pushing this to radio. We're going to be playing it at FPK regardless. I think uh, Level awesome. is going to be our track that we're going to be hitting so it really hard. So Oh, great. And and to many more Painted Shield records in the future as well. So thank you good. so much for your yeah, time. Really you appreciate it. All right. Thank you both. Take care. Have a good one. Now, back in 2012, Stone and I uh, jumped on the phone to talk about the record that he had just released with Brad called United We Stand. I want to include that interview here. Uh, Along with Brad, we did talk a little bit about Pearl Jam and Public Radio, which at that point was Public Radio Week when we taped this. So uh, part two of Kyle Meredith with Stone Gossard. So you've got the new Brad record out. And congratulations on that one, especially coming so quick on the heels of, of Best Friends. Because it did. It took, uh, what, uh, eight years to get Best Friends out, and now you've done a, a two-year turnaround on this one. Yeah, and, um, well, the funny thing about Best Friends was that, it, it you know, we were, had that record almost basically recorded, and it sat for three or four years before we ever actually got it out. So um, it, was a long, it was a long stint of, of not recording. So by the time Best Friends came out, we really hadn't recorded together in, in five or six years, so we were all definitely itching to to write new music and and get back into it but um yeah it's it's um we're real excited to still be a band and kind of be looking back on 20 years playing together and and um just feeling real good about the fact that we uh we have some pretty cool original music that we've that we've written together over the last 20 years that that still um makes us happy yeah you mentioned 20 years. I mean, you've done the nostalgia thing once already last year. Um, and I don't know that, you, you, know, you know, I think it was always said Brad was never really a side project, but it was always kind of looked at as your other band. It's a, it's a, it's a semantics thing. People talk about that all the time. And, I mean, we don't really spend a lot of time describing it as anything, but it, it's a band, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it, it's a band that doesn't get as much attention as, as Pearl Jam, which makes sense because Pearl Jam sells a huge amount of records and um and I, I I'm certainly more known for it but um you know I, I think there's just a, a a feeling that when you say something to a side project it 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 sort of devalues it a little bit and right. I, I think we all everyone in the band feels like it's a, it's a real band but it, it functions on its own um on its own clock uh does it age differently that than Pearl Jam does does Brad age differently you know, I think every band is different, and and it's they're just fascinating to be in. I, I recommend them to anyone out there because um, they all have their different characteristics. And 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 really, when you do collaborative, you know, music projects or any collaborative artistic design project with um, with multiple personalities, you're faced with a whole series of um, um, you know, sort of thrills and challenges in in terms of um, you know the thrills being when you when you when you write a song, you go from not having a song to writing a song, and everyone is playing 
this role and, and sort of its um, how you play it and how it was written and the sort of construction of it is one thing and then the and then the and the performance of it is another. But um, and and how the how your strengths and weaknesses all play toward the originality of that that sound and how you know everyone's aesthetic view of what music should be and where they kind of hear the groove and and how, where they hear the the backbeat and how they feel the song it's 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 really different and and each you know each group will have its own personality so um it's really fun to be in groups that have been together for a long time because one there's a lot of um you 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 have a lot of wisdom that you that you that's at your fingertips that you don't you don't really talk about it too much, but we really have a way of, of, of jumping right in and, and helping each other out in our songs. And you also have a lot of gratitude about just this sense of like, wow, this is what it feels like to be in a, in a really like successful marriage, right. um, where you look back on and go, how many different times could we have separated or broken up when things got hard? But if we had, we would have never made this record or we've never had this song or we never had the experience of going to play in this show or, um, so if they're kind of triumphs of, 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 will in in a way because um you know collaborative things are difficult to to maintain and it's uh, tension is part of it and 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 um conflict is um is is innately part of it and um and how you how you work through those things and and get back to that feeling where everyone's in the room um looking at the same blank piece of paper or whatever it is same blank piece of tape um uh, in terms of recording something, that's where the thrill comes from because it's 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 like a, it's like no other like no other thing. Right. You, you know, you, you use the the word marriage, and a lot of musicians kind of describe bands that have been around for a while as a marriage. But not many people do get a chance to be in several marriages at once. That's right. I'm a I'm a <laughs> I'm a, a poly, poly a polygamist. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Musical and, and, polygamist. And that's, and that's part of you know the difficulties. It, it's it's very easy. It's much easier to be in one band when you. When you share loyalties between two bands, it, it can be difficult. You yeah. know, it does create. Uh, you know, bands are used to just you, the, uh, the way a band usually survives. It's like you know, us against the world. You know, mm-hmm. and and when there's that sort of when when there's other things going on, you have another situation that's us against the world, and and another situation that's us against the world. There's inherently sort of conflicts in that. So, you know, but that's that's part of it. And and uh, you know, I feel pretty good about the fact that they're both still functioning after 20 years so i'm i'm really i'm very proud of both of those places yeah. me and mccrady were just talking about uh matt cameron's uh kind of schedule doing the exact same thing this year yeah the most successful drummer in <laughs> rock history i think that's what i'm gonna say yeah that's that's gonna gotta be a nutty year two, for him. two huge bands out mm-hmm. playing festival gigs you know where Jeez. he's a you know he's a writing and you know it, critical member to both of those bands in a way that are you know yeah. is, is is beyond and i'm sure uh the fans would love to see that uh, double bill one day but god what how horrible would that be for matt to- <laughs> well you know we could do it we just you know we could just each play you know 10 or 12 songs and it would be sure. fine <laughs> it, it sounds fun i think we should do it Back to Brad, uh, one of the interesting things I was noticing, and I don't know if it was intentional or if it has anything to do with each other, but there's a bit of a contrast and even a call and answer to your album titles uh, with this one and the last one. You have Best Friends with the question mark, and then a bit of an answer with United We Stand. Mm-hmm. Any of that intentional? <laughs> well, Regan Hagar isn't sort of, well, United We Stand was actually a song that we recorded for this record that actually didn't make the record, but it, it, we decided to name the record after, after the creative 
of curiosity about the uh, track the, mm-hmm. uh, that we still have, we're still holding. So it's it's actually a, it's a really good song. But um, you know, we really have to. Every time we get back together, we got we we go through a process of trying to believe in this situation again and trying to be there for each other, even though we know it's the sort of you know. Um, it's had these struggles, so you know. I think it's a challenge to us to kind of. It's, it's a reminder, um, you know, if, if we're out there complaining and mad at each other, then you know, and if we have a record called United We Stand and we're not really united, then we'll feel foolish and yeah. hopefully work <laughs> it out with each other. But um, nice way to force and, yourself into it. I don't know if you've it. seen the artwork or not, too. But uh-huh. it's also a, there's a it's a pretty provocative album cover of uh, it's a Ben Frank a picture of Ben Franklin on the hundred dollar bill with a. Mm-hmm with his eyes blacked out and a little bit of blood dripping out of his mouth, too. So there's a, some, some sort of political comment, I think, that Regan and Sean were making that um, is uh, to be interpreted, but um, you've you got to check it out. Yeah, no, it, it is great. And, you know, I think that little drop of blood stands out almost immediately on it, too. So yeah. <laughs> really well done. So what does it take for you guys to get together at this point, to get Brad together? Because you all, out, even outside of your musical lives, I mean, you have your philanthropy life and uh, obviously your personal lives. So what's the dynamics of getting Brad together? Well, it's, 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 everybody has to work at it. You know, it's, you gotta, you gotta make, everyone has families, everyone has kids, everybody has, you know, other responsibilities and it requires money and it requires energy from all of us to kind of, to, to, to get it together. So, um, but it's it's our dream, and it's it's something that you know if we haven't done it for a while, we're all thinking about it. So um, some things you do because you just have to do them, and that's and that's one of these situations where it's like we've all we've influenced each other and 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 been creative partners for so long. There's no turning back. You just gotta you just gotta keep you gotta keep going, and 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 it just keeps paying off because we keep pleasing each other with our songs and our and our playing and 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 we we just really are we've really we're achieving something you brought in uh three songs to this one three uh gossard pin songs i guess miles of rope down of blues and last bastion yeah i mean i think yeah and, and and but we all really got in there on everybody's songs but you know in terms of bringing in the the, the main the main riffs yeah those are the ones that i wrote um and um I, I'm pretty excited about those ones. Yeah, Last Bastion has this real nice, dark, almost Sabbath feel to the uh, to the guitar part Good. going on. <laughs> it's no, it's a bit different than I, I think I've ever heard from you. Uh, yeah, I like. I have my inner Sabbath is just lurking out there. I just <laughs> I need to. Ha, I need half steps. A lot of half steps. Descending half steps. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's Sabbath, a fun one. Like it's it. been really fun to play, and it's a real simple A B thing, and it you can turn on your fuzz pedal and. You know, there's no, um, you don't have to hold back on that. Sure. And there's another track on there, actually, Teabag, that's not yours, but it really does sound like vintage Stone Gossard. Yeah, Regan Hagar, one, I think it's first uh, musical, um, um, I think his first songwriting credit for Brad, if I'm not mistaken, he might have had another one, but he's very proud of that one. And mm-hmm. uh, that was actually recorded, um, you know, back in the Best Friends session. So that one's been around for a while, but it finally, uh, we, we, we went back into the vaults and found that one. And we just went, oh, this is, this has got to be on the, this has got to be on the record. So, um, we're excited that it's kind of a, it's got a nice, there's, there's plenty of up tempo stuff on it, you know, or, or sort of, you know, um, rock songs, um, and, and, and we and we get the sort of slow jams on there as well, but um, it's uh, we're feeling pretty good about the balance on the record. Yeah, uh, one of the other big news uh, bits about Brad is you guys are actually going to do the re-releasing uh, of the back catalog. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's 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 what we're working on right now is uh, locating all the master tapes and locating all the, uh, the artwork files and and trying to get it together to um, to uh, re-release the starting with the first two records. We hope. Yeah. Anything we can expect from that? I mean, are there, were there lots of other tracks left off of that, or is it basically just going to be a reshine? Um, well, it's, 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 uh, we don't know because we're just really sort of going back and, and inspecting it. I don't expect there are going to be a lot of other tracks or maybe something that we haven't um, thought about, but we really haven't even started that process yet. So we're, we're sort of looking around, but I'm not expecting a huge amount of new material. We talked about this just a second ago a little bit, but you have been dealing uh, quite a bit in nostalgia lately kind of retracing the the steps of your career for the past few years. Yeah. Is that something you do well? Are you a nostalgic person, or is this I'm kind right. of being... I'm so excited about it being 21 years and not <laughs> thinking about, you know, particularly in terms of Pearl Jam, because, you know, the process of, of, of having Cam- Cameron made that movie, and then, you know, when we did all the re-release, and I think probably Jeff and Ed were more, you know, had more to do with it in terms of, like, going back and actually doing the work of going back through all that stuff. You know, I sort of, you know, I sort of allowed certified guy i didn't really spend a whole lot of time in that process but by the time we were done doing press for uh um for the last record and talking about the 20th anniversary and then the 20th anniversary show and then the, the movie coming out um you know it, it some of those those things are sort of inevitable that, that people are going to sort of look at 20 years as sort of significant but you know, i think I'm always looking at the long, the long shot, and I think we've got our best record ahead of us still, yeah. Pearl Jam and Brad. So um, I, I don't feel old. I don't feel like uh, I want to stop or I want to keep looking back. I want to. I definitely want to keep looking forward. So um, yeah. you know, in forty, at forty years, maybe we'll uh, we'll have another assessment. But I think everyone will be pretty shy about doing anything more um, in that regard. Yeah. Uh, are you going to continue the box sets uh, that you've been doing? Um, yeah, I think so. I think that maybe there's a, there's one more um, for PJ, but I, I I don't see that on the schedule anywhere. So that's probably uh, you know maybe you know two years from now or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or as they get as the records get to be twenty, I think maybe um, that's when they'll they'll start to come out. So, um, but I, I really don't know. Yeah. But I, you know, I think part of our thing has always been like trying to find cool packaging that like. Is for like the the super fans that are really like they want to see the history, they want to hold it, they want to get a poster, they want to find you know these cool bits and pieces, and and you know Jeff and Ed have just done such a tremendous job of of creating these packages that that really that are worth that are worth it because they you know they really uh, they, the band really puts a lot of love into them so. Um, I think that that's, that always will be part of sort of what what we'll do. But, um, um, yeah, I, I don't know when the next one's coming out. Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't be overlooked, though, that you do have a personal record that did turn 10 years old last year, and that was Bayleaf that just went under the radar. No celebration. <laughs> no, I'm going to play Bayleaf front to back. <laughs> I think the Bayleaf record is still, it's still stewing down there. People are, you know... Uh, Still checking it out. I'm I'm real proud of Bayleaf, and I and I I got another. I probably have another solo record in me at some point in mm-hmm. the next uh, in the next couple of years. I'll release something. So uh, I, I write a lot. So uh, and it's and it's fun to write lyrics, and it's fun to sort of um, 
as much fun as it is to be in a band and the collaborative thing, it's also really fun to just kind of wake up and, and go into the studio and just say, this is what we're doing. I know how to go. This is what I want to say. This is the groove. This is how the bass goes. This is how the, that's fun as well. It's just to be, you know, a fascist. Right. And, um, <laughs> And uh, so you got to really, you got to embrace your inner communist and your inner fascist when you're in, <laughs> in, in, in music. I love those. I, I do. I, I love that record. I still listen to Bayleaf often. In fact, I think I give Pigeon some spins pretty occasionally over here at uh, WFPK. So. Oh, great! Uh, Thanks. Yeah, that's it. I, I always thought that that lyric was pretty special. I, I wasn't done sleeping around at that point. I yeah. am done sleeping around at this point, though, so uh, just so you know. It's good stuff, so it, you know, hopefully when we see another uh, solo record out there, I mean, it's a... Uh, well, you'll be the first person I'll send it to. I know now that there's a now I know there's a DJ out there that cares, so I, I didn't know before, but well, you had, I do. You had some tracks that you were putting up online there for a little bit, though, but they just never got compiled onto a, a proper disc, I guess. Yeah, it's all, you know, I, spending more time working with Brad, it just, you know, there's only so much time in the day. I'm a mm -hmm. dad, and I'm married, and I'm, you know, madly in love, and I'm, you know, my I got my mom and my dad. There's always something I got to do, so sometimes you're solo stuff will just go by the wayside, but I got it all, and eventually it'll all come out, and yeah. people can look at it and see what they feel about it. Right. Well, so there's only a couple PJ shows. Um, you've got a, a string of Brad shows. How do you plan on spending the rest of the year? Um, well, hopefully, um, you know, there's uh, PJ recording, and, and we'll be doing some more of that and trying to finish a record this year. And, um, um, and then um, hopefully, you know, adding on more Brad dates and as well. We're, um, we're up rehearsing now for our West Coast, and then we'll be on the East Coast in, in May. And um, we got Happy Chichester is playing with Brad uh, again, which is just love great. Happy. He'll uh, open up some shows for us as well. Um, and uh, we're just having a blast. We're going back to the catalog and figuring out what we're going to play and figuring out how to play these new ones. So um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully a lot more of uh, just these these groups. Yeah. Yeah, Happy's from right up the road. I got to meet him a couple times last year. He's, uh, uh, he's just the most delightful. <laughs> he's great. Yeah. Uh, worth asking, actually, uh, how was Ed doing? Because I know there was a bit of report there that uh, you know he had to cancel his tour because of some uh, some damage he had had. Is he is he doing all right at this point? Yeah, he he hurt his back a little bit uh, carrying a carrying a bench. He just uh, picked it up the wrong way and and slammed it into a tree trying to navigate his backyard, I guess, or something. And he just tweaked his back and he's just trying to get well. And it's just the 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 issue is just um, he's got to. Um, do the right physical therapy for the next, you know, six weeks to kind of to make it all work again. So he knew that he realized that he had to take a break. His arm was kind of going to sleep, and he was just, it wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't getting better. And so he's in the process of, of getting healthy right now. And um, we just, you know, been thinking about him and, and text him and tell him I love him. And, and I think he's, uh, I, th I think he's improving, but it's it's been a little bit. Um, a little, I'm sure it's been a, a trial for him. So I'm just um, wishing them the best, and I think it's, I think everything's going to be fine. But we're just we're waiting to see how he's doing. Would you have a, t a second to actually wax a little bit on uh, on public radio? It's Public Radio Music Month, actually, that we're doing right uh, here. Sure, absolutely. Um, and and you guys, I mean, you, you've been in the business now that you've seen pretty much all sides of radio and how how it deals. Um, and you understand how public radio works, I guess, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I write my check to uh, KXP and KPLU every year. So, uh, uh, or I don't know, is it KPLU in Seattle? Maybe at KUOW. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it's a it's it's a it's it's something that's that's worth paying for for sure. Non-commercial radio is, um, you know, you look at the impact of of KEXP and 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 what they're able to accomplish using a methodology that is absolutely against every big commercial radio stations strategy over the last 10 years which is consolidation and and controlled playlists and you know payola and and um you know sort of collusion basically and and you look at kxp and you, and you just see you know an, a, like like a band you see a group of people collaborating together and trusting each other and 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 growing their style each individual dj really having a unique take and a unique style and and people really responding to that and really supporting it because um it's it's valuable it's it's worth it and their influence in terms of you know their their influence is so far-reaching now and um you know much more so than you know than than probably even the amount of money that they're taking in i think that they if they were paid for their influence on a bigger scale they you know they would be um uh you know, it would be it would be great. Um, um, so, uh, you know, and I remember listening to KCMU on at University of Washington, and you know, you getting turned on to songs like uh, "You Might Like Me Better If We Slept Together," or, you know, or <laughs> right. uh, you know, sort of those first time when you were hearing these songs that were like, "Wow, this is this is not." I didn't hear this on KSW or you know one of the rock stations or you know. Um, you know, here think subhumans or, you know, um, so, um, Pearl Jam's a big supporter of, of, of public radio. Public radio has been great. Um, uh, we listen to everybody, you know, tunes in. It's like, I want to hear, uh, Warren Olney on To The Point. I think that, you know, his, his, that show and the, and the style that he, uh, exemplifies is, it shows the, you know, uh, the, the the real way to um, find uh, the broadest perspective on a, on an issue in a in a really with a lot of wisdom and a lot of um, uh, uh, it's just interesting and mm-hmm. and powerful. So it's 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 a it's a big deal. Yeah. Well, we certainly appreciate the kind of words. I don't think I could say it better. And uh, and actually, we appreciate you know everything Pearl Jam's done. For public radio, and uh, you know, we try to give it back tenfold. So, um, so thanks for taking the time. Yep, Kyle, for, thank you. For everything. So, and, and we'll see you around on this Brad tour, and we look forward to all the new music you're going to be throwing our way. All right, cool. Thanks for the support. Have a great day, Stone. All right, man. My thanks, Stone Gossard, Mason Jennings, the self-titled Painted Shield record. And thanks to you for checking out this episode. Uh, Before you get out, please do hit that subscribe button. Uh, Again, three new interviews every single week. Gives you a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, again, where the video version of this uh, lies as well. And then after that, head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. Again, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of them at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along there as well. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.
Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.